You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Did you read any books about parenting before you had children? Are you reading any books now while you're pregnant to know what to do once your baby is born? For me, I was just dealing with how my body was changing and how my baby was growing. I didn't start thinking about how I would parent until I was facing the challenges that required a response. Dr. Vanessa Lapointe is a psychologist who understands the impact of how we parent on our children. She believes reflecting on the past can help us parent well today. Her latest book is called Parenting Right from the Start. Hi, Vanessa. How are you? Hi, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Why do we need to understand our past in order to parent well today? Well, we know very well now as psychologists and scientists that we will parent as we were parented and that we can only bring someone as far as we have brought ourselves. And so as we uh, go into the act of parenting our own young, we will revisit the things that happened in our own childhood unless we really invite some conscious awareness around all of that. And one of the reasons that that happens is that when you are a child and you are born into this life, you enter for the first time in your life the very intimate space of relationship in the form of the parent child relationship. And then you grow to become an adult and eventually you become a parent. And for the second time in your life, you re-enter the intimate space of the parent-child relationship, this time as a parent, but it will pull back into your uh, embodied memory all of the things that you lived as a child. So there's that. And also you, in your book, you talk um, about historical ideas of childhood and how that affects the way we parent today. And in fact, you go way back. I was thinking maybe she means historical ideas from the 70s and, you know, right. attachment parenting. But it's beyond that, isn't it? It's, it's way beyond just those decades past. It really is because what's happened, given that we will parent how we were parented and all of the things that we were just speaking about, that we have brought forward from hundreds of years of parenting the antiquated biases of days gone by. Times when we uh, thought, for example, that children were born evil and that our job as big people, parents, was to rid them of this evil. Or times when we thought that what really we needed to do was release the children to the flowery meadows and watch them blossom, which <laughs> uh, did not work so well. Or times when we thought that children were, in fact, born blank slates. And it was our job as the big people to write upon their souls what it was that we wanted for them to become. And, of course, none of these things is resonant with what we understand that children truly need from the science of child development today. And yet, I double-dog dare you to go and stand in any supermarket lineup and watch a child uh, have a tantrum or a meltdown. And every single other adult in that lineup, with very few exception, will be thinking things like, Ugh, that kid could just be quiet. That kid needs a little more discipline is what's needed, right? So we still have those biases. They've been visited forward from generations past, and they live in the social psyche of our cultural dynamic even today. It's so fascinating that you can point back to that because you, you're right. I saw someone post on Facebook the other day about some woman who yelled across at a screaming baby saying wow. what that baby needs is a smack. Right. 
And so those kind of bias that you're talking about um, are contrary to the scientific evidence that we know today. That's right. And so what we know that children need above and beyond anything is the experience of being able to rest into compassionate relationship with their parent. And when children have the opportunity to rest into that relationship, to be deeply dependent upon their parent, then they will grow in ways uh, neurologically and emotionally that have them become their best possible self. And so it really is upon us as parents to be making sure that we set the environment up around the child, that we understand the needs of our children, and and that we don't let those needs um, get muddied or uh, blocked by a misunderstanding or um, a switch up in terms of thinking, oh, well, that kid needs a smack in order to be quiet. These kinds of things get in the way of understanding our children. So we really just need to work on bringing all of that up into our conscious awareness and pressing it off to the side. How do you define fear-based parenting practices? Fear-based parenting practices are all about uh, wanting to make sure nothing goes wrong with your child. And so you don't want them to grow up to have the greedy gimmies, and you don't want them to grow up uh, to be entitled and to be reactive and to be angry and all of these things. And because you're afraid of those potential outcomes, then you parent from a place where you're trying to shut it all down in order to make you feel less overwhelmed and angsty and fearful of uh, possible outcomes down the road, um, which is very, very different from a love-based approach to parenting. And a love-based approach to parenting knows that the child is on their perfect journey that the mess that was this morning, the challenge that was uh, sleep last night or whatever it is, that all of that is meant to be happening, that you, the big person, are doing a brilliant job, that you just need to continue to step forward into all of your power as a compassionate parent and watch the magic of your child's development unfold. They're never made wrong for being human. They're never made wrong for having an a by design immature brain. They're never made wrong for letting their feelings get away from them because that's just what happens when your brain's still growing. But they're really, really honored and cherished for being the human that they are. When all of that can play out that way, your child literally like swims around in love. <laughs> and love be growing some brains, let me tell you. <laughs> I want to write that on a poster. Actually, you should make a t-shirt. Let's do it. Yeah, okay. totally. You'll be the first one that gets one. Can I? Yeah. Good. I'm going to hold you to that. Um, when you talk about fear-based parenting, does that also refer to you're speaking then about the fear of what they will become if you allow a certain behavior to play out? It, does it also refer to, and I'm speaking for myself here, like, for example, if my daughter does something that seems incredibly selfish, mm. I will think... What have I done to make her selfish? Like, I, right. it's my fault that she doesn't understand how to be gracious in this uh, situation. Or um, if she doesn't want to share, I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I'm teaching her to be unkind. Is that also a form of fear-based parenting? You said it so perfectly. And if we were to take those examples and go and dig underneath them, what's behind the thought, oh, it's because of me that she she hasn't learned how to be gracious or to share or to be kind. Uh, and then if we drill down underneath that, what is the worry? Because there's a fear that lurks behind that statement. And the fear is, I've failed. I am not good enough. 
And so when we come at parenting from these fear-based kinds of places, which can include guilt, it can include anxiety, it can include worry, it can include all of those kinds of things, um, we will parent with the objective in mind to shut down the things that we don't uh, see to be working for our children. And so what we need to do is switch it all around. And we just get curious. It can feel like a very big leap to go from fear-based to love-based in one fell swoop. Uh, And so what I would suggest is just get curious. Be like, oh, check it. She had a really hard time hanging on to her kind right there. That is so interesting for me to observe as a parent. I wonder what I can do to inspire some kindness in her. Wouldn't it be fascinating if as parents we could just approach with curiosity rather than react with anxiety and fear? Mm, I'm going to use that. Is there another T-shirt in it? (laughs) (laughs) I see a side business. I do. I totally do. Let's do do that. Except it has to be backwards. So if I look in the mirror, it reminds me. Okay. That's what we're going to do. You also talk about early attachment and why that's so important. Um, People do talk about this a lot, but I'm not sure that as parents, we really understand what it means. What is attachment with your baby and how do you do it? One of the biggest challenges with this concept of attachment and attachment parenting is that there's been a lot of pop culture that's developed all around it. And so we think that attachment parenting is co-sleeping and breastfeeding your babies till they're nine and (laughs) eating organic kale and all of those kinds of things. None of that has anything to do actually with attachment parenting. Attachment is all about the science of relationship. And so we are a social species by design. And what that means is that when our young are born, they actually need, not just want, but need social contact, connection, and closeness in order to even survive. I've actually worked with babies in my practice who are dying clinically. They've developed a condition called failure to thrive because of an absolute lack of attachment and connection. And so we need it to survive. We can clothe and feed and water our our young, but if we do not love them, they literally will die. And so attachment, as soon as our babies are born, they start to look for our eyes. It's the first thing when they open their little eyes that they seek because they know in the connection of that gaze, a relationship begins to unfold. And then there becomes this kind of back and forth dynamic. It's a little bit like a dance or sometimes a psychologist refer to it as serve and return. The child puts a serve out They cry, they communicate discomfort, they let you know that they're not okay, and then you return, and you come back to them, and you calm and you soothe. And through something called neuroplasticity, that relationship then begins to direct neurologically the architectural wiring up of the brain. And so your child fires up, and their brain gets kind of fired up because they're their diaper is wet and it feels uncomfortable or they're hungry or they hate their brother or they hate this day or they hate how the air smells, whatever it is. Their brain fires up, that's the serve, and then you return and you're right there to calm them. You're right there to love them. You're right there to help them feel safe and contained. And as that plays out, oh, I don't know, tens of thousands of times over your child's (laughs) developmental journey, it actually shows the brain how to wire up. And so attachment creates the environment in which healthy child development can play out. And look, finally, you mentioned in the introduction to your book that learning to parent well requires growing up. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? So we come into adulthood walking around in adult bodies, 
thinking we're pretty grown up. We have jobs and we drive cars and we do all of these grown up kinds of things. But the truth is, many of us are actually walking around as children in adult bodies. And so when anything gets challenging or overwhelming and we start to feel kind of reactive, we actually, by definition, regress backwards into our childhood. And so as we parent, and I got to tell you, there's nothing like being a parent to bring you to your knees and realize, <laughs> oh, snap, I don't think I'm quite so grown up as I thought. Because now I, I sound a little like a child having a tantrum at my child. And we swear up and down that we're not going to become our moms and our dads, that we're going to do it better. And then all of a sudden you hear your mom like coming out your mouth. And you're wondering, how did this happen? It happened because you aren't yet fully grown. And so it is upon us as parents to grow ourselves, to recognize why we went to, oh, shoot, I think my child's behaving this way because I failed as a parent. Well, where does this worry of failure come from? And that worry of failure actually has nothing to do with your, your child or your parenting journey. That worry of failure was planted in your psyche when you were but a child yourself. And so as an adult who has become a parent, you get this glorious invitation to grow yourself up so that you can stay emotionally available and present to the growing up of your child. All right. Well, we're just going to take a moment now. Um, I'm going to go and have a session with Vanessa. <laughs> Get in we're going to design some t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Design some t-shirts. She's going to help me uh, pinpoint my childhood issues. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> uh, Vanessa, I can't wait for this book to be out. When is it out? Properly? October 8th is the official release date, but Very it's available exciting. right now. Fantastic. Vanessa, thank you so much for Perfect. coming in. Thank you. That's Dr. Vanessa Lapointe. She's a psychologist and author of Parenting Right from the Start. And we'll put links in the episode notes for where you can get a copy. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.